be in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. We'll dismiss the kids downstairs. Thankful for them. Tell you what, God has greatly blessed this church. Uh, we have gone from people not wanting to sing to now we have a lot of people singing, so it's a it's good, it's a blessing. Uh, but I, I'm just thankful for what God is doing. He's moving, isn't he? He is working, uh, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for being able to worship together. Uh, he's a good God to us. But Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, verse 18, I want to look at this passage here at the end of the chapter of chapter 12. And uh, we're going to talk about two different mountains in this chapter. This is what it this is what it's mentioning. This is what it's describing. Two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. So Hebrews 12, 18, for ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and temptest, and the sound of a trumpet and the sound of words, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God uh, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, which speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for all things. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me today. Fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to see what your word has for us today. Lord, if there's any lost, I pray that they'd come to know you, whether they're here listening. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us draw us closer to you. And in Jesus' name we pray and amen. So here in verses 18 through 21, it's talking about the time that Moses was about to go up on Mount Sinai uh, in Exodus chapter 19 to receive the law. And this happened three months after they had been uh, brought out of Egypt. God had taken them out of Egypt, out of bondage, and sent the ch children of Israel to the wilderness. Or we know in the King James, when it says wilderness, that also means desert of Sinai uh, and uh, when this was about to happen, the Lord told Moses uh, to tell the people to sanctify themselves, get yourselves ready, clean yourselves up, wash your clothes, it says, to prepare for that third day. And also it said that uh, there was a warning that neither man or beast would go up into the mountain or even come close to it, basically, cross over into the border of it, or they would be put to death because God was going to visit them on this third day. Uh, 
Uh, in Exodus, I'll read you 19.16. Here's another account. Uh, this is the account of when it happened as well. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder Moses spake and God answered him by a voice so this sounds a whole lot like our passage that it's talking about here in Hebrews 12 and 18 it's talking about the fire the blackness, the smoke, the darkness, uh, the sound of the trumpet, all of these things, uh, and no beast could touch it. So you, if you just think about this description of what the Bible is saying, this would have been terrifying. That's what he's saying. This would have been a terrifying thing to think about. Uh, I don't. I don't care. I mean, take any part of it. The the darkness is scary, right? The the thundering is scary. I, we're in an area that doesn't really face. We have earthquakes, but they're not really real, you know. I mean, I was in one uh, downtown Columbus. And the only reason I felt anything, because I was on like the seventh floor, I think, that day, uh, and it felt like somebody shook my chair a little bit. That was it. You know, I mean, nothing fell over, nothing. We weren't in danger or anything like that. But those places that have real earthquakes, when the ground starts to shake, or if we ever had a real one here, you'd be afraid. Now put all these things together, right? The smoke. The burning, the loud, uh, the trumpet sounding, it's getting louder and louder. The entire mountain is shaking, everything else. It would have been a frightening time. But this is when God was going to give them the law. That's what was, that was the scene here. And it was a scary thing. Uh, and here's, a, a, to me, what's even a little scarier is the Israelites agreed that they would keep the whole law. They agreed that they would do it in this, uh, at this time. But uh, I believe when you look at that mountain and, and the shaking and the darkness and the power of God and everything that you see, I believe that is a picture of trying to live by the law itself. Right. It is a, a the law demands perfection and the penalty for breaking the law is death. So there there was no peace for them that day. Uh, it was just black clouds and the loud thundering. The earth is shaking and they're all trembling. And even look at verse 21 of our passage. And so tremble was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. Even Moses was afraid that day. He was shaking. Uh, he was afraid of what was going on. But I believe this, if what people, we are living in a society today that thinks they're all right, that thinks everyone's going to heaven. But if they could honestly see God and see him in his holiness and see his power, I mean, they didn't even get to see God, but just kind of saw the effects of his presence there. It scared them all completely. This world's not afraid, are they today? They're not afraid of God. There's no fear of God. Uh, they're just wanting to do things their own way. Uh, but I believe that this is kind of a picture of this, trying to live by the law. And here's the problem. The Lord is powerful. He sees uh, everything that we do. He knows every word that we say. He even the Bible says he knows the very thoughts and intents of our heart. Uh, you can sum it all into this. We cannot hide from God. We can't hide from him. 
And here, what does the world say? I'm a pretty good person, right? Don't you hear them say that all the time? Oh, I stay out of trouble. I don't have a criminal record, right? What do they say? I, I, I help the people that are around me. I help my neighbors. I help my family. I give to the poor. I pray. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. And then they ask the question, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough that I do all these things? I give you the shirt off my back and everything, although I've never really seen that happen, but I've heard of it all the time. But in the world's eyes, they would say, yes, these things are enough. Right? These are enough to, to merit your way into heaven. These are enough to work your way. Uh, and, and the world thinks so, and you might even think so, but here's the problem. You're not standing before yourself in judgment, and we're not standing before the world in judgment. We're standing before Jesus Christ in judgment. So what is he going to judge us by? What are his standards? I'm glad we don't have to guess. We've got the Bible. And it tells us, James 2.10 is pretty clear. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Right? That's the standard Jesus is going to judge this entire world. The people around you, your relatives, your friends, your co-workers, everybody. He's judging by that standard. And here's the thing. Uh, uh, the question is for each one of us, have we committed a sin, just one in our entire life? Or will we uh, from now, from birth until the time we die, are, are we going to live without committing a single sin? No. No, there's no way. That's why the Bible can say for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and say it many other ways. All we like sheep are go have gone astray. Many verses talk about there's none righteous. No, not one. You can pick any of them. They're all clearly the same thing because you and I are nowhere near living a perfect life. So that means we're guilty in the eyes of God. And if we're guilty, the way Bible says the wages of sin is death. And if you still think you're not guilty, First uh, John 1 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, Jesus, and his word is not in us. We're saying the Bible's lying. And that's scary. But do you realize the Israelites agreed to keep the entire law? I, they weren't thinking it was impossible. And you read through the Old Testament. If you've ever read through the whole thing, which I, I hope every one of us at some point will read at least once through the entire Bible. But you get through and look at the Old Testament. They couldn't even keep the first of the Ten Commandments. You know what the first one is? Exodus 23. Thou shall have no other gods before me. And the Israelites could not even keep that one the entire time. You know what they would do? They'd be real good for a while. Right, They would keep that. They'd keep the Lord at the center. Uh, they, they would uh, worship the Lord. They'd go to the Lord. they trust the Lord, everything. But then what would happen over and over again? Times would get good. There'd be prosperity. There'd be peace. There'd be no enemy. And then all of a sudden, it'd be the Lord plus another God. Right? The gods of their neighbors are the ones that they were supposed to get out of the promised land and never did. They would start taking in those gods and before you know it, they would trade in the one true God for all these little idols and everything else and then the Lord would just uh, uh, he would let them be overtaken and everything else. But that's the problem. You read it over and over again. Hundreds of years uh, that you see the children of Israel from once they got to the law till we get to the old, end of the Old Testament and even to the beginning of the New Testament, they failed over and over again. And here's the thing, we fail too. Yeah. We can't keep it. 
We can't keep any of it either. We're no better than they are, but it should show that it's impossible to keep the law of God. And that Mount Sinai with all the thundering and earthquake and darkness and smoke and loud noises and everything and the trumpet and the power of God will be, I believe, a picture of just like a sinner standing before Jesus Christ. It's not going to look the same, but it's going to be the same holy God versus a sinner, right? It's going to be the same thing. Hopeless, afraid, and guilty. And do you realize that's how the Old Testament ends, doesn't it? Hopeless, guilty, afraid. That's how it ends. But aren't you glad? The New Testament begins. But guess what? There's people in the New Testament that believe they were keeping the law. Right? When Jesus started his ministry, there were people that uh, the Pharisees, they thought we're keeping it. We, we deserve heaven because we're following it. We've kept uh, everything, all the traditions and everything else. Uh, so we're, we're, but here's the problem. Jesus came to them over and over again in the gospels. And he told them, he said, hey, you might be keeping parts of the law. You might be uh, uh, tithing your mints and spices but forgetting the weightier matters, right? He said, you're not keeping it perfectly. You say you are, but you're not. Jesus told the Pharisees, John 8, uh, 24, if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. You know what he said? Jesus didn't tell them, uh, if you keep living the way you are now, you'll be all right. Or if you stop living the way you're all, you are now, you'll die in your sins. He didn't say that. He said, if you believe not, and this is one of those I am, right? The he is in italics in KJV. So it's an I am one of those. And it's saying, hey, if you don't believe Jesus told him, if you don't believe I'm the I am from the Old Testament, you're going to die in your sins. Yes. To those that said they were keeping the law. But this is the problem that religion has always had. It's the problem that self-righteousness has always had. God doesn't accept it. He doesn't. He rejects it and tells them they'll end up in hell. The same message is true today. If you could stop for a second and just imagine you were one of those children of Israel at Mount Sinai that day and you were terrified and everything else. Uh, uh, I believe again that that's the same. You're going to stand before God one day in judgment and there'll be just the same terror. But aren't you glad there's another mountain in our passage, right? Not just Mount Sinai. What's verse 22 say? But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Mount Sinai was in the wilderness, in the desert. Mount Zion is in Jerusalem, uh, and it's not a mountain full of dark clouds. It doesn't have thundering and earthquakes and everything else. But aren't you glad? Uh, in Revelation 21, John saw that new Jerusalem, right? He said, and I, I, he saw it coming down from God out of heaven. And guess what? If you read later on in Revelation 21, John saw something else. He said, I saw, uh, he saw the city come down. He said the walls and the gates had precious stones. He said the streets were of pure gold, so pure it looked like transparent glass. He said, I saw these things, but it wasn't dark there because the Lamb of God lit up uh, the whole city. It didn't need a sun. It didn't need a temple. It didn't need any of these things because
was. Jesus Christ was there. That's the one he's talking about. I like that mountain better, don't you? I like that one. It sounds a lot better. But here's the thing. Uh, we The only way we can get there, look at verse 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You know who can enter into heaven? The only ones that can enter in have been the ones that are saved by Jesus Christ and his blood that he shed on the cross and the ones that he wrote in his book, the Lamb's book of life. These are the ones that can enter in. Not because we kept the law. That's a different mountain. But you know why we can enter in? Why we can come to Jesus? Because remember that law demanded perfection. Aren't you glad Jesus lived the perfect life? Amen. From the beginning to the end when he died, not a single sin, not a single bad word, not a single bad thought. He perfectly followed God's will to the letter and to the timetable all the way through. He did what we could not do while he was here on, our, on earth. So we know because the wages of sin is death. He didn't deserve death. But the reason he died is because he put our sins on him and took them to the cross. And you think about that Mount Zion. See, when we think of it, we think of that beautiful picture that John saw, right? And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away and he that sat upon the throne said behold I make all things new and he said unto me right for these words are true and faithful and he said unto me it is done I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son and you think about John saw that and everything else in the rest of the chapter and I say praise God for yeah. But you think about how that way was paved to get to that new Jerusalem. It's because Jesus Christ set his face toward Jerusalem and he knew that the cross was on the other end. He knew he would stand trial. He knew he would be betrayed. He knew that he would be beaten and mocked and whipped. He knew that he would be uh, 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 he would be guilt, uh, in, uh, treated as a guilty man although he was innocent. But the reason was because he saw you and I. He saw us. I, I love what the Bible says. Romans 5, 8 but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he looked at that Mount Calvary it didn't look pretty it doesn't look like the new Jerusalem he saw the cross that Roman execution torture death device uh, that we use as jewelry today but that was an evil thing it was a cursed thing to die on the tree but Jesus did it for you and I he carried his cross up Calvary he voluntarily opened up his arms he let the nail his hands and his feet not because he was powerless but because he loved us he went on that cross he, he, he was up there and I love what it says he said this Luke 23 33 and when they were came to the place which is called Calvary
Calvary. There they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right, the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he did right there. They killed him. He offered himself for a sacrifice for sin. And when that blood hit the ground, I used that one verse in our passage. Uh, remember, Abel's blood cried out guilty. But aren't you glad that Jesus' blood cried out innocent, merciful, Savior, healing, and everything else? And I say, thank God for that. Because we could find forgiveness of sins because he died for us. But the only reason was Jesus went up that mountain for us. Amen. 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 He went up that mountain. And what happened? What happened while he was on the cross? Remember Mount Sinai? It got dark. What happened on Calvary? It was black for several hours, right? It was dark. What else happened? The earth was shaking in Sinai. What happened on Calvary? The earth shake so much that graves opened up, right? You see what happened? God gave his life. He went through what we should have had to go through. So we could find forgiveness of sins. But aren't you glad. That while Mount Sinai was filled with fear and darkness and death. Those of us that are saved through Jesus Christ. We can find Mount Zion. With mercy, peace, love and eternal life through Jesus Christ. So then it's the question. Which mountain? Right? Which mountain are you choosing? There are some that want to live their life. Doing it themselves. You're choosing Mount Sinai and you're going to face the full wrath of God. And it's terrifying. I'd rather choose the other mountain that Jesus died on already and paved the way for us to live forever. Which, which one? Do you want the mountain of judgment and law or the one of mercy and love? That's the choice. But look at verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Who was the one talking? Look back at verse 25. Jesus, the mediator, the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Jesus is the one he's talking about in verse 25. If you refuse Jesus when he's speaking, what's he speaking? His word, the gospel. Right? They didn't escape. That's what it's saying. Much more shall not we escape. They didn't escape in the Old Testament when they refused to believe God by faith. They didn't. Uh, the one thief that refused to believe Jesus Christ, he didn't escape. The rich man that opened up his eyes in hell, he didn't escape. And guess what? The Bible's saying, you think you're going to escape? How much more are we not going to escape without Jesus Christ? That's what he's saying. If you turn away from him that speaks from heaven, that's Jesus. If you reject Jesus Christ and his word, you will not escape. You can run from the law. You might be able to outrun your past. It's getting harder with the internet now. But you might be able to do that. People escape today, what? With drugs, with alcohol. They try to escape and uh, keeping themselves busy and everything else. They escape through many different ways. But guess what? You can't outrun God. Jonah tried it. He couldn't. Right? Judas couldn't outrun the betrayal. 
It came back right back to him when he realized what had happened. Israel, right there at Mount Sinai, what did they want? Tell God to stop. And some of them might have ran back to their tent to try to hide, but the mountain was still there. It was still shaking. God's presence was still there. You'll not escape the throne of God either. Not even if you take your own life, you won't escape standing before God. You won't. People run on this earth, but one day you'll die. And without Jesus Christ, he said, you'll open your eyes in hell. So then that's, but there's another thing about the two mountains. I, I keep hearing lately this movement. I'm hearing more and more of it. And they call it different things. But basically where people are saved by Jesus Christ. And then they turn back to the Old Testament. And they start picking things back up again. I, I've heard them called Sabbath keeping. Uh, just all kinds of things where they start plucking different things out of the Old Testament. And say, you know what? I'm saved by Jesus Christ. Uh, but we're going to worship on Saturday. We're going to uh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know what that's doing? You in effect are saying, you know what? Yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Yes, Jesus, I trust in you. But instead of what your word says to just by faith trust in you, I'm going to try to go back to Mount Sinai and climb my way to the top again. Right? That's what they're trying to do. You can't have it both ways. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to be a Christian Pharisee at that point. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do. We'll pluck out a couple of rules that are easy to follow and make us different and act better than everyone else. Yeah, we'll be saved by Jesus Christ. But in those groups, try not following the rules. Yeah. They don't care if you say you're safe. They'll say you're lost. Yeah. That's going right back to Mount Sinai. Right. And trying to work your way up you know what that leads to? He said, you touch that mountain, you're dead. That's sad. That's why I'm not going back. You know what we use the Old Testament for? Because it's a picture of things to come. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. We're not sacrificing animals anymore. We're not doing any of those things anymore because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and that law was there to show us that we could not reach him through our own merits. We could not live good enough to reach heaven. But aren't you glad we don't have to? Jesus did. He did live perfectly so he could get us to heaven through him. So why would we go back to that old mountain? That old mountain was scary. Yeah. The earth shake and everything else. You know what Jesus, I'm standing before, I'm not standing before him saying, Jesus, I followed all these things. I'd be embarrassed if I had to come to him with a list of what I did and what I didn't do after I was saved. Because it'd be a bigger list of Jesus, here's what I didn't do for you that I should have. But aren't you glad he saved me anyway? Yeah. Amen? Amen? I'm going to ask everyone to stand.